Hey everybody, welcome to Begin Again. I'm Darren Jackson and I'm so glad that you're here. I want to take a moment before we get started and thank you for waiting an extra week for this episode. I've been traveling, many of you know I've been traveling for the last seven weeks and over the last two weeks I have had almost no time where I've been alone in a quiet space and had Wi-Fi all at the same time. So I haven't had a chance to uh, record and upload for you guys in a while which makes me sad because this is my favorite thing to do and um, also makes me sad because I want to have something for you every week. So moving forward I should be able to do that for you every week. Uh, And I'm really excited about what we have for this week. So thank you guys. Thank you for waiting and thanks for sticking around. All right, so can I tell you guys something that happened to me today? I am presently, I am in a bungalow on Monkey Island, which is a tiny little island in Ha Long Bay in northern Vietnam. I know, someone's got to be here and tonight it's me. But um, on the other side of the island earlier today, there's uh, there's beaches and there's hiking. And I went um, to the little cabana shop and got some Oreos and had a few Oreos and stuck them in the side pocket of my backpack and then went towards the shore. So the, the shore is, you know, in front of me and then there's a little cabana shop and then behind you is the trees and the rocks and you can climb and hike and whatever. So... I walk onto the shore and um, headed towards the uh, kind of a about oh fifty yards or so away to go up into the trees and do some hiking. And there's a little tiny monkey, just the sweetest little guy, walking along next to me, uh, walking, walking, just we're having a little chat. And then I turn around and there's a bigger monkey, and it's headed in our direction. I thought, oh, this is great. We're just going to have two little monkeys by my side. We're going to have a little chat, go for a little walk. And then the bigger monkey breaks into a run towards us. Uh, It doesn't take long for me to find out that he is running towards me. Now, let me tell you this. On the boat, on the way out to this island, our guide told us that you can play with the monkeys, but if a monkey tries to bite you, he said, be careful with the bigger monkeys because they might bite. He said, the little monkeys are fine, the bigger monkeys might bite. He said, if the big monkey tries to bite you, don't run away from it because it will follow you and chase you and keep biting you. He said, if a monkey bites you or if a big monkey tries to bite you, grab a handful of sand and throw it at him and he'll run away. So I'm walking little monkey to my left, turn around, big monkey headed our way, and then all of a sudden, big monkey in a sprint headed our way, and I turn and I pick up the pace just a tiny bit, and I feel this motherfucker on my leg. He took a flying leap onto my leg, climbed up the back of my body, and then shot off my left shoulder. And I'm shaking and I'm running. I'm like, don't run. You're supposed to throw sand at it. But let me tell you, every impulse in your body is going to run when there is a monkey jumping on you. So this asshole, I turn and I look at him and he's perched in the trees with my Oreos. He watched me. He watched me buy those Oreos, not eat them all stick some of them in my bag, and he just weighed it. (laughs) Oh, God. There's there's a joke in there about a monkey on your back. (laughs) 
And I'm excited to introduce you guys today to uh, two of my favorite artists. We've got a comedy writer and a hip-hop artist in a conversation together about art and about creating and about uh, starting new things and and not giving up when the thing that you believe in doesn't seem to be catching fire, but you know that there's something there, um, something that I think everybody who's ever tried to create something can relate to. These are two artists that I really respect and admire, and um, they also happen to be people that I get to know and hang out with personally. We recorded this interview in Manhattan. A few weeks ago, I'd flown out to, to meet with poet Ali and Walker, who you heard from a couple of weeks ago. Poet and I met working for the same nonprofit. Um, gosh, when would that have been? 2010? Almost eight years ago? Yeah, that's got to be right, eight years ago. And he is an incredible artist. He he works magic with words that will just blow your mind. He's given a TED Talk and released music and collaborated with some pretty, um, some pretty awesome folks up in New York. And he sat down for a conversation with uh, Jesse McNamara, who is a comedy writer. Jesse owns and wrote all the comedy for the Music City Roland Jamboree in Nashville, Tennessee. She trained in comedy at the Groundlings in L.A., where many of your favorite uh, comedy actors and writers have also trained. And when she finished her training in L.A., she came back to Nashville, which was her first love, and decided to create and write and do comedy professionally in Nashville, and now it is her full-time job. And for those of you who don't know, it's a really huge deal to be able to make your full-time living as a comedy writer and a comedian, and and Jessie's doing it. She's doing it in Nashville and uh, working on some exciting projects right now that uh, hopefully will be coming your way here pretty soon. But it was really fun for me to sit down with these two very different types of artists and hear them speaking very similar language. Um, even if if the words themselves were different, right, the heart of it was the same. And to hear them talk about art and how they create and why they create uh, was just, it was really fun. It was a fun conversation and a fun night. And I think you guys are going to have fun listening. So settle in, enjoy, let's get into it. But... <laughs> Welcome to Begin Again. Uh, We are here in Manhattan, New York, and we're just going to have a little conversation. I'm here with two of my favorite people. I'm with Jesse McNamara and Poet Ali. (laughs) We have had a really great day today. This is a day for me when two of my worlds collide, so it's it's been pretty fun. But I'm really excited to introduce you guys to Jesse and to Poet because these are two people who are unflappable creators. Um, I mean, <laughs> prolific. You guys, unflappable is a funny word, but I just I feel I like. Flew away when you said. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like that one? Like that? Oh. <laughs> um, you guys are you guys are always creating. For as long as I've known both of you, you've always got a project coming up, and um, and both of your work is meaningful. And so I thought it would be really interesting for folks to hear from you guys as you. Uh, live and exist in this time in our world that's kind of weird and tense and uncertain, but continue to create because I think I think that's really our ultimate call is to is to continue to create no matter no matter what our circumstances are. So y'all are doing that, and I'm really excited to have you guys here in this space. Um, let's do some intros. Jesse, tell us a little about you. Um, hello, I am Jesse McNamara. I am I was born in Northern Michigan, raised in Florida. 
moved to Nashville for college, and then out to L.A. to study comedy. And why L.A.? Where did you study? Well, <laughs> it's funny. When you are 22 and you think, oh, I'd like to be the next mini pearl, um, you don't want to half-ass it. So She wouldn't um, have that. I wouldn't. <laughs> it would not half-ass. And, um, you know, I heard that all the Saturday Night Live people had gone to the Groundlings in L.A., and I thought, well... If I'm going to do it, I may as well go and do it. So I moved out to L.A. to go to the Groundlings. At 22? I moved when I was 23, yes. You're 23 years old. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. Where, uh, where were you at the time? You moved from where? From Nashville. I had gone to college at um, Belmont. That's where I graduated from with a music business degree. Oh, I bet your parents were thrilled to hear that you were going to take your music business degree to go study improv at the Groundlings. Oh, student loans, student oh, loans. Yeah, <laughs> right. those are old friends. Yeah, yeah. They, my mom um, was a farmer. I uh, was raised a farmer, and she's a nurse. And my dad was a camp ranger, and he was a volunteer fireman, and he. Um, can fix and build about anything in the world you might need. Um, good people to know. They are. <laughs> they are. And it's it's actually, it created the groundwork to be a, a real person. You know, a person who knows how to do things. A person who understands what actual life is about. Not, not commercial life. Not anything that's not how you get through day to day. And in a world that I've gone into, in the entertainment world, in... In writing and comedy and everything that I do, it's always in me that I came from, I do come from, and I know everything about being raised very, very blue collar. And I think, I think that's one of my superpowers. Yeah, that's certainly a part of our country that's speaking very loudly. Well, it's, I, I I just unfortunately think that it's been a long time since they've had a real voice. And Getting a voice is a is a big deal because yeah. you haven't had it for so long. Do so, you know how do you use it? Who do you get behind? What's what's real? What's fake? What are people saying just to get your attention? Yeah, we're gonna circle back to that um, and how where you come from affects the work that you create. Um, but I want to hear from poet. Hi, Ollie. Yo, what up, what up, my people? <laughs> so, poet's a hip hop artist, global citizen. <laughs> Uh, you are based out of New York right now. What are you doing here? What in the world are you doing you in know, Manhattan? Shuffling, moving, staying on the run. Uh-huh. Keep it low, you know? <laughs> Keep it quiet. Yeah, yeah, really good. Very good at keeping Super things quiet. Super quiet. Yeah, <laughs> really quiet over here. It's Subtle. Subtleties. Emphasis. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm creating, you know, doing, uh, doing what we do, you know? Just um, trying to figure out, figure it all out, you know? Make the most of your talent. Keep the people you love close and um, try and stay positive. Yeah. Why New York City? Why are you here now? And where were you before that? Before that, I was in California. New York just, it, uh, I don't know. Some, some places sit well with your soul. Yeah. You know? and, there is uh, an energy. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. It's true. There's something about this city that pulses. Yeah. Yeah. You keep moving or you die out here. <laughs> you really do. Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> a survivor. Um... And what... Went up to the Diamond District. <laughs> what 45, is... 47 is on. All right, sorry, go ahead. Um, like, what did I say about subtlety earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what is the story that you're telling right now with your life, with your art, with your music, and your, your work? What are, you, what are you up to? Man, great question. 
What's the story I'm telling? Um, story of dreams, story of persistence, story of loyalty, uh, integrity, trying to stay positive when it's real easy to go the other way, and slowing down a little bit, you know, slowing down for... So you left Southern California to come to New York no, to slow down. No, you know, I just, uh, you know, trying to Santiago the situation, a little, you know, alchemist the situation out here, you know, sometimes things bring you to your truth, you know. It's a balance, you know. It's always yeah, a balance. It is always a balance. What is true to you right now? There's a lot of bullshit and there's a lot of alternative facts. What do you know right now to be true? Wow, great question. I know to be true that people can be good. I know to be true that um, we stand to benefit a lot more if we just share, if we give, uh, even even selfishly. I know know that to be true. I've seen it, you know, and I know that, that... whatever we think hate is it's not that it's something mm. else it's disguised as fear or or i i know that what um jesse i would be interested to hear your response to that because we have a comedy writer jesse's mm-hmm. a comedy writer and i think um and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think... LOL. 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 Let's bring it up. We're going to bring it right back down, though. Don't worry. Yeah. I think that... Because I think the soul of comedy so often is tragedy. I think the work of a comic is to call out the things that feel the darkest and the most hopeless and give them this light where they can be laughed at. Yeah, so so we've got a hip-hop artist and a comedy writer, and I would love to hear what the comedy writer knows to be true right now. What If there's something in the world of chaos and confusion and anxiety, what is something that you hold on to? What is true to you? Um, I You know, it, it kind of doesn't matter if it's coming from Ali or if it's coming from me. The truth is the same. The truth is, I know what is true as a child from my parents is still true. And those are the real things. Like, it doesn't matter if you're beautiful. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It matters if you're useful. It matters if you're a good person. It matters mm-hmm. if you love people well. And you go through life and think you're going to learn these new things. And it's just the truth. And people get so self-conscious about things. And one of the great things about comedy is it's a superpower. You can call it out in someone and give them permission to live it. And that's what comedy is, is pointing out something that you see every day, but you don't see it. Hmm. And, okay, so I have a, um, I co-own a, a comedy tour bus in Nashville. Yeah. And what we do... Shout for, out to the Rolling Shout out Jamboree. to the Nashville. And if you're in Nashville, the Music City Rolling Jamboree. <laughs> it's the best show in town. The, the thing we learned really quickly is... Um, 36 people get on this bus, and they don't know what they're getting into. They're nervous, a lot of them. You know, a lot of them are introverts, and they don't know what they're getting into. So they get on this bus, and we learn really quickly, our first task is to go through and make everybody okay. Hmm. If you are gay, we love it. If you are Mexican, we love it. And in the South, I mean, sometimes that's a thing, you know? And a lot of times, um, people who are coming 
from maybe also in the south by the way it's a thing to say gay if you're gay yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it's to a simply big deal. call it out in the first it's place a is a big deal huge deal and a lot of people um maybe they're coming from northern places where you know it's 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 more common and they don't know they've heard these things about the south they don't know and I, you know, honestly, I can't promise that it's safe everywhere. I've been, to, I've been to the south. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna hear some of your yeah. stories too, because I've been to the south with you in the airport and heard some of these stories, and we'll circle back to those. I've done been I'm gonna to make the a south. note. I'm gonna make a note right now. But you were saying, well, the thing is, like, you're in that very closed circumstance where we are within walls, mm-hmm. and you are in this tiny microcosm of a community for two hours yeah and for two hours no one else in the world is part of that experience no one else is part of that space except for you it's very it's a it's a it's a very interesting study in human nature because you go through and you justify everybody i don't care what your thing is i don't care if you got an arm going out of your head we (laughs) will we'll make a joke about it and nobody is free from being joked at yeah, and, and you give people permission to laugh and for that to be okay. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, releasing the the thing on the the steam, the pressure cooker. What am yeah. I trying to say? It's like releasing some of the steam. It is. It's that. It's um, and you can feel it. You can feel people's shoulders go down. You can mm-hmm. feel them once that wall is down, and people think that wall that people put up is is metaphorical, but it's not. It is a very real thing. You cannot get in if that wall is up. And um, putting that wall down, it's just, it opens everyone up to actually having a good time and not worrying about, gosh, maybe things they've heard about the South before. Or Yeah. It, and I can't say that's true everywhere, but I can say on that bus, you're safe. And yeah. I think that was the thing. Like, comedy is, it's a really interesting art because it is... It came through towns, like people worked their fields and they worked their fingers to the bone. And maybe a a vaudeville show came through town every year or every six months. And they looked forward to it and they just wanted to forget all their worry and their praying for rain and all the things they would worry about. But for, for an hour they could just forget it and they could live in this world that someone created for them. And I think, God, that's such a, what a, what a, what a superpower, what a... What a way to not physically take people on a journey, but to at least emotionally let them be on vacation. Yeah, that's. I think that's what artists do. I think that a lot of time that's the work of the artist is to give people permission to take a break, mm-hmm. to give people permission, even if it's for an hour, even if it's just mentally, to go on vacation, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to step away from their reality. What um, have you seen anything like that in your in your world? You're in a very different type of creative work in a different creative space. Um, how much of y- your work or your responsibility as a creator, as an artist, is to create that space for people and let them have their experience. What What is that like for you? I wish I could say it was more. I wish I yeah. paid attention to that more. Hmm. I think sometimes I'm so focused on trying to <clears throat> express whatever truth that I see Yeah. that the experience I'm giving them is secondary. And yeah. that's probably where I could learn a little bit because... Mm. If I mean, I guess the ultimate form of art is is that right? Giving them that ability to, you know, so that's the magic. Sometimes it happens for someone yeah. on a song or or a, or a commercial or a short movie, and sometimes it doesn't. I sh- I should probably pay attention to that more. 
Yeah. When you create, when you go to that space where you're writing or you're producing or you're making your work in the world, um, why do you do that? What is it that drives you to continue to make? Because the life of an artist is not often the life of a wealthy person or a person who's perceived to be like making it by the world standard sometimes. Yeah. But, um, I know you guys hustle. I know both Mm -hmm. of you. I know you guys work hard. Um, why? I mean, the first part of that question, what, what is it? Um, I guess if you stripped it, really stripped it down, I think as artists, maybe, I don't know, just tell me your thoughts we feel like whatever whatever it is we're trying to communicate is fundamentally important mm-hmm. that that's what it has to be because oftentimes it's not just enough to make it there's a part of us that wants to have it be seen and have it be heard and mm-hmm. to share it i don't know if that part is because we want to have it seen or it's to share in that feeling of whatever we think is is fundamentally important yeah but that's probably it because we think at least in our minds, whatever it is we're trying to do is important to communicate. Maybe even with these conversations or yeah. with this, you know, these talks is yeah. whatever seed comes from this matters. And that and that it's universal. Like the language that you use to say something as as a musician, as a, a um, as a poet, as a hip hop artist, and the the language that you use as a comedy writer. These might sound very different, but. But you're both doing a lot of the same work. Yeah, absolutely. Comedy is you have something comedy to say. Like it's something root. that's universal. Comedy is the man. That is, oh, that's everything. It it is. It's neat. Um, I think Ali, what you and I have in common, and what we believe very strongly, is that you have to get your art to a place where it can be heard. And we both believe strongly in speaking many languages of. I watched your TED Talk, and it spoke to me deeply because that's it. That's it. You have to be able. That's why I feel very lucky to have been raised in so many places and to have been exposed to literally every kind of person. Superpower, right? It's it's a superpower because in that way, people, they feel that about you because you're never truly an outsider. And I think to answer your question, Darren, um, I always just want to honor that. I don't think a lot of people have gotten that privilege mm. to, I mean, we never had money. I mean, we still, my family, we are not people who have money, but we have this currency to be able to speak these many languages. Like, that's our currency. And whether you do it to motivationally speak, whether you do it to bring comedy to people or write songs or what it, whatever you're, it's, 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 it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. It's the same language. Yeah. Um, because it's not that different. Everybody thinks it's their own people doing something. But it's just, if you look back in history, it was always an amalgamation. It was always a puzzle coming together of, hey, I've got, it's like the little rascals, like, I've got a ball. Well, I've got second base. You know, it's it's never a thing until everybody puts it together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, both of you guys have kind of tapped this a little bit, where you come from and your experiences in the world. Both of you uniquely, certainly all artists would have their own perspective, but both of you uniquely have had the privilege of having some pretty diverse perspectives in your forming as humans and artists and adults. I would love to hear more about that. Jess, you talked earlier about the importance of, of being useful and being kind. And, um, I would love to hear where that comes from in your life. And 
and how that's shaped you as an artist, being useful and being kind and compassionate. And Ali, um, I would also, I would love to hear the same thing from you. How has where you came from affected the artist that you are and the work that you're doing in the world? Um, but first, we should hear from you. Where, where did you come from? What are you doing here? Oh, magical land. <laughs> <laughs> and they all want to know. <laughs> Super humble, this guy. <laughs> I was born in Iran, uh, the capital, Tehran. My ethnicity is Persian, and um, we moved to the United States when I was uh, about three years old, and I grew up in Southern California, specifically Orange County, uh, specifically Mission Viejo. And I've just learned today that there are some real distinctions between these specific towns and yeah, these specific so, here yeah. Southern California. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's Having all the same. Having lived in Los Angeles, there are very yeah. there are a lot of parts to Orange County. <laughs> I just saw this uh, Dave Chappelle comedy thing where he basically nailed it. He said, you know, my my parents did just well enough to be broke in the like mid- upper middle class neighborhoods. <laughs> like we just made it in there. No, I don't know. Can we edit that out? I don't know if I want to say that. Uh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so you can say whatever you want. All I said to these guys was, hey, just tell the truth. Yeah, so tell I the think truth. We're nailing okay. it. So, tell the truth. Yeah. So Tehran, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah you put a whole lot of extra on it. I should probably did. I <laughs> yeah, grew Tehran, up in Texas. Yeah. Tehran. Yeah. All right. right. To um, Southern California, specifically Orange County, mm-hmm. specifically Mission Viejo. And then moved a little bit. I lived in L.A. for four years. I lived in Spain for a little while. Lived in North O.C., Costa Mesa area. Um, and then moved to New Jersey two years ago. Italy for a short time. <laughs> this guy. Uh, so what how have how has those how have those experiences informed the person that you are as an artist and the way that you do your work in the world oh you it's uh you know art is like one of those things like coffee and like wine it it just sucks in everything around it into it you know they say how in wine you can taste the soil or, or this coffee these grounds were made here art is the same way that's why the vibe for a session is really important too because everything somehow gets transmitted into that into that creation so for me i think i've been really really lucky whatever circumstances gave me access to this brilliant myriad of cultures and people and 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 sounds and shapes has completely formed the artist i am it's formed my message it's formed what i think i'm supposed to say um, it's it's formed my my feeling of of belonging that you talked about never you know feeling like you know, um, I'm a nomad, but at the same time, you can find uh, a friend anywhere, mm. you know, because maybe you're willing to be a friend, that kind of mentality. Yeah, I love that. In your experiences growing up kind of all over the world, spending time in your adult life too all over the world, what what have you seen uh, We all sh- that we all share? You, know, you speak several languages too, so you've, I mean, you've had like, actual conversations with people all over the world what what do you think that we that ties us together right now we're just gonna keep it real surface level don't worry about it (laughs) Uh, the first thing that came to mind was apprehension right now i feel like we're just apprehensive whether it's about love Mm. about other cultures and ethnicities about uh taking chances about other people we just seem to be apprehensive. Whether we got burned or That's we got hurt or we got... I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, living in that in that space of scarcity and fear. I mean, that keeps us that keeps us from. Oh my gosh, everything that's possible. Yeah, that's interesting. That that's what what would step out. What, what would show itself as one of the most common things that we have right now. So then what is, you know, the work of the artist or the creator to respond to that apprehension, that fear? What about you, Jess? What have you seen? I've seen, um, apprehensions. That's, that's interesting because I would say, yeah, I would say fear. I think fear is the driver of hate. I think fear is the driver of lack of action. I think fear is, um, I think it's what keeps people back altogether because, but it's healthy. Fear is there because you don't want to starve to death, you know? (laughs) Fear is there because you learned it from your parents or fear is there because you saw it on the news. I just, I just wonder, and I don't know if you'd have to speak to a, a person who's maybe a social worker, but I wonder too because I never went to bed hungry. I never went to bed unsafe or not warm. But I wonder if coming from a lower socioeconomic group, if that has something to do with it. Because um, when Ali said you always want to make friends, that's true. Because you always do want to be accepted. You never want to be shut out. Because unfortunately, I think you really do kind of always see yourself as a 13-year-old. Hmm. Those, those little monsters, those little chest monsters, <laughs> they follow you. I mean, I still, I was, I was, um, I had a hard time in eighth grade and fancy girls who are 14 years old scare me to death. <laughs> you know, they still do. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't grow out of some of those things. And it's, um, I think that is, I think if you are a true writer, then you are the most keen observer of people. So even mm. if you have not lived a life, you've watched it happen. Mm. And wondered about how they might react to something. Or wondered about how they might spend their day hmm. um, differently than you. Uh, whether it were their skin color or whether it were their economic standing or their sexuality or what it was. But if I go to the grocery store, I know how it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to go for everyone else in the world. Yeah. And I think that is the job of a really good keen writer and all the great ones in history have been able to see that from other people's viewpoints otherwise everything would just be in first person yeah and there's something about the specific experiences that a writer can bring to life that no matter who you are whether or not you've had an experience as the specific character of that specific song or piece or story there's something universal even in those specifics that everybody somehow can relate to no matter where in the world you are and that, I mean, that's what art is. That's what creating is. And um, helping people get to the other side of that apprehension, get to the other side of that fear of the other or the unknown or whatever it is. And that's what we talk about a lot on this show. <laughs> is resilience well, and, and finding your way to that. Seed of writing something. When someone asks why I wrote something and I try to like follow that strain back, it's always I asked what if. And I wonder if that's what it is to be a creative person instead of taking in gosh people are all made of such different things and some people are great at accounting and I really love them because I'm not and it's <laughs> thank god they're good at it and that's the that's the cool thing about god he made us different you know so that we could make this world turn but for me it always goes to back to what if 
And I don't want it to be what if I had done that. Yeah. You know, I can't live in a place of what if. And in writing, instead of the light turning green, what if that light had turned red? Mm-hmm. And it changes the whole thing. And that's where you can start writing from, yeah. is imagining a, a parallel universe. Yeah. It's just a little different. Mm-hmm. What's the catalyst for you, Ollie? Why do you create? What what uh, leads you to the next thing? What leads you to the next project? My gosh, because I know we have artists listening to this show, and I know we have people who feel stuck. <laughs> What's up, you artists? This is a trap. It's a trap, you guys. <laughs> you messed up. Yeah. You got messed up. You got to run. <laughs> um, sometimes it's boredom with the previous project yeah just being done it's that whole thing where you cut the cake and you just can't cut it anymore (laughs) you've just made every kind of slice that you can and you're like you gotta let it go um the definitely the desire to say something else leads you to the next project yeah you guys can't bullshit people you can't lie you can't you can't be inauthentic because people there's there's so much content out there that if yours isn't telling the truth people will spot it and they don't care yeah and they're gonna go to the next thing yeah you can but but it's that's no nobody will be able to it's that discernment of okay this is unbelievable and this is not and it's very hard you know whether it's comedy or acting or whatever it's just that realness you're absolutely right you can't lie people feel it people feel it so when um here's here's something in in (laughs) telling the truth and creating your work how do you how do you find your way right now where there's so much pressure to constantly be putting something new out, where there's constantly has to be new content and oh, you have to be consistent and you gosh. always have to be creating. Have you figured out how to deal with that yet? Cause I haven't. Uh, Cause I, I get myself in this, in this trap, in this spiral of, I don't feel like I have anything to say right now that hasn't already been said a hundred other ways. So why would I put it out there my way? Even though I know that somebody needs to hear it in my voice and my language and you go through the spiral and you know all the things and then you talk to, to yourself out. You you just talk yourself out of it. Do you? No, you just, you sounded that, like my head. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So we're all still I feel that way about Christmas records. Like, are you going to sing Oh Holy Night better than Kelly Clarkson? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you, you gotta, it's, it's so trite, but quality over quantity. Like, there's no quicker way to turn people off to you than you know, to just used to be the recreate something whitewashed anymore. I I want to I want to believe in that. I do believe in that. Yeah. Quality over quantity, but but it's I don't know if that's now they want to be everybody wants to be a part of everything. Which yeah. which would then when are you living? At what living? point is the at medium what, tapped out? And not only that, <laughs> or I mean, oversaturated. At what point are you are you where are you drawing in? If you're constantly on the, you know, red light on the camera, where are you drawing in your inspiration from? You're posting everything you're living. Wow. I think it was Jerry Seinfeld that said once, and forgive me if I'm wrong, other comedian, if it may be you, but he said when you stop, when you get too famous and you stop going to the grocery store, you stop being good at comedy. Because what are you going to write about? You know what I mean? Like, So to me... If people want that quantity, that's not my audience. It's a tricky thing to navigate. It is tricky, especially if you're trying to make your living at it. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? There's some really interesting things popping up. Like there's these pledge site communities where where it's it's patronage for artists. You actually, people who are doing well financially. I support several podcasts just with like $2 a month or something. And I'm wondering if, if... the pendulum is starting to tilt back towards 
the things that we need that were mm. starting to be uh, an extra commodity. Things like art, things that make us feel good, things that share stories. Yeah. That's why these rises in depression and this, it's, it's connection. We're so connected, but we're not connected for we're nothing. We're not at all. So, yeah, so what, what spaces are you creating in right now to, to connect, to increase connection where your work shows up? Great question. I think the first step to, to any of it is for whatever audience you're speaking to, being able to feel like you can see them, that they are heard, they are felt, mm-hmm. they are understood. Yeah. Before I can start saying, yo, this is how we're going to get it popping, this is my art, this is what I want to show you of me, somehow you got to take a moment to listen and see. Yeah. That sounds to me very much like what you were talking about your job in the first 10 minutes on the bus on this comedy mm-hmm. tour is to make sure people yeah. know that they're seen. Yeah. We say a prayer before the tour. Exactly. Um, if somebody needs to hear something, help us to say it. You have no idea. Because you walk across maybe a thousand people a day and you don't know, is somebody dealing with cancer? Is somebody yeah. dealing with, did their mom just die? Is their best friend sick? Did their dog die? Which is a very big deal. Very but like deal. these are these are things like you walk by them and they don't you don't know you don't know. That's cool that you guys pay attention to that stuff. Well, I try. You know, I mean, I mean, I know it's not every fall day, but into I just every still, trap. You know, cool. fall into every trap, and you know, it's a for for being a comedian. It does not matter how you feel that day. Your job is to turn it on. Yeah, and it everybody doesn't matter. Paid their money. Everybody paid their money. And it's, it does not matter how your morning went. It does not matter if you're sad. It is your job that day. And that's a responsibility, you know, that it's part of it. It's part of it. Sometimes it sucks. It sucks bad. But it's, um, it's just another channel you go to in your brain because it's there. And you're lucky to have it. Uh, so I think we've found some universal truths here in the, the time that we've been together so far. So that's pretty good. If we do nothing else today, we've found some universal truths yeah. of artists and humanity. Always good. So. Always good. So. so there you go. We figured it out, guys. There's no need to listen to any other. <laughs> Shut this down. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thank you, guys. <laughs> We're not really We're not done. But thank you. Oh. We're not done. <laughs> thank <laughs> ready you, to go. Ollie just almost walked out of the room. Okay. Uh, <laughs> No, we've got some more. Love time. you, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Okay, so I'm going to get a little bit more specific. This podcast is all about um, adventure and resilience and finding your way. So you guys are both in spaces where you are creating your own work. How did you get there? What did that little voice or loud screaming voice inside of you say every time you heard no, because I'm making the assumption here that you've both chosen careers where you hear no a lot, um, or not yet a lot. So when you're at that point where you've heard no for the 50th time, um, or you keep hearing from managers or producers or whoever, the universe, not yet, uh, what keeps you going? What gets you, what, where do you go inside of yourself to get through those spaces? Over and over, even though you've both had a degree of success, no artist gets through life without hearing the word no. All right, I've thrown the bone. Somebody go get it. I think there is an intrinsic (laughs) shit sandwich in being an artist because we are not known to be patient people. And all you have to do is be patient because sometimes you've got this idea and it's not time for it yet. And it is. It's choosing to hear no. I've said this a million times. It's choosing to hear no 
saying yes to hearing no 95% of the time and living for those sweet, sweet 5%. Because those are the times... Now, Ali talked about it earlier. It is a... It is a need to get that out, is that um, unease in doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Like, you can't do it. I challenge you to do it. Go do a job you're not supposed to do. You wouldn't last a week because it's, you're so uneasy. You can't eat. You can't sleep. And it's, it's that responsibility that's put on you from, I don't know, I'm, I think God, whatever you're into, um, to do what you're put here to do. He took all the time to make us all differently and give us jobs to make this world work. And you got to do it or you don't feel like you're in your skin. Yeah, that's a super, I mean, everything Jess is saying is a super mature creator's, <laughs> creator's stance on it. Someone who, because for me, it, it takes a long time, one, to get to that place where you trust your vision. Right. Yeah, because this is deeply personal stuff. I mean, you're putting these these things didn't exist before you thought them into existence. Yeah, and, and they're subtle. and you're asking someone to say yes. Yeah. And they're subtle decisions. You know, yeah. you're asking someone to care whether, as a director, you say this shot needs to be zoomed in or zoom mm-hmm. out. Like if mm-hmm. anyone cares. <laughs> and for you, it's like either it's magic Everything or it's lives garbage. And yeah. and it probably so, is on a subconscious you know, same level. Same with a comma or a period yeah. or a semicolon. It's and no one cares. You're just yeah. in this like zone by yourself. So, so yeah, to have the patience, that's what she said as an artist. If you truly, truly believe in that vision, to have the patience to sift through the no's and the yeses, you know, discernment is a big one. That's the, I, I talk about discernment all the time. You have to be the one with the discernment to say, this is constructive criticism. This is something I can learn from that feedback. Maybe not what they told me, but hmm. something about how my art is being ingested or presented and refine that aspect. Maybe not the pulp of it, maybe not the yeah. core of it, but you know, if you can have the discernment to apply the feedback you get, you have to be the one putting it together, you know, because at the end of the day there's always gonna be a group of people that don't like it. Yeah. And there's always gonna be a group of people that do like it. Do you like it? Yeah. And if you don't then that there's no worse nightmare as an artist than that. If you hate, if if you don't even like your own work. Yeah. What um what is the most difficult no you've gotten through to your work or to your art or to an opportunity? If you would share, if you could think of one. I don't know if this is the most difficult, but one definitely comes to mind. It was a good lesson for me. It was several years back. I went to a, like a artist expo in New York, and I sat down with representatives from all the major urban labels. You know. Um, you name it, they were there. Rockefeller was there. Uh, you know, Sean John was there. Dame Dash had just split with Jay Z. His record label was they were they were all there, and every single person that I presented my work to, I have my stuff all together on the computer. I have my presentation down. I'm like, everybody's just gonna come with the MP3. I'm gonna come with visuals. Turn it around. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> you know, super nice That's headphones and a splitter so that I can have my headphones and vibe with him, like yeah. extra yeah. nodding. Like, yeah. you feel it? <laughs> So every I, I did the whole setup. I was ready, and and everyone the reaction was the same. They loved the work, and they consistently kept asking me, "Yeah, but who's who's artist? Who's rapping? Who's artist? Who's rapping?" And I consistently kept saying, "No, no, no, it's me. Like it's me. Like that's me." He's like, and then take the headphone. You? That's you? Like, yeah, that's me. And nothing came out of it. Huh. And when I finally approached someone, like you know, what's what's going on? Everybody was like, "You're you're." You mixed it, you did this, you recorded it. This, like They love the stuff. And it's when I realized that 
the presentation. If it's, you know, you could have the most wonderful, wonderful product, but if you don't give people the opportunity to ingest it the way it's meant to be ingested, you're doing your art form a disservice. Yeah, because unfortunately, if it's not kind of shiny, people are Yeah, yeah, they didn't know what to do with me. I came, I had like my hair up in a samurai, like chopsticks in the hair. That's why I did that. You know, I don't know. I was Was on some real mystic nomad. Yeah, I was (laughs) caving there. Truth of the moment. (laughs) Yeah, though that that no was a a hard one because the work was good. Yeah. And that was my first lesson. Like, I, I don't get it everybody knows the work is hot like why you know and i'm like it, t- it took me a while to sit and regroup saying oh they don't know how to they've never seen that type of work come from this type of look or presentation so it doesn't doesn't mean yeah. change you it just means find the way to yeah reintroduce people to what could be possible right you know or or, or make it easy for them Man, I do love that we're in a time where people are screaming so loudly for the truth and That's for vulnerability. That, that, cheers to that. Yeah, cheers yeah. To that. because... Not, not, oh, that water was good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's so good. When you've, got, when you've got that kind of no, when you're coming out of that kind of no, how much sweeter did it make the next yes? What I came to realize was you... you it, it made it sweeter, but, but it's also where... Again, back to what Jess said, having the patience to, to construct your vision. You, the moment where you're going to be successful is the moment where you've stopped hanging on the yeses. Whoo, that's true. That's you good you change truth. something where it's no longer... It's no longer your expectation that has to be met. It's just your truth that has to be told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your creativity like has to, to materialize. It has to actualize. And at that point, it doesn't matter... It doesn't really matter. I mean, it matters if you're trying to make a living at it. Yeah, You've got to figure yeah. out a way to make the packaging work. Um, but lately, I think that the packaging that people are going for is the package that tells the truth. People want to hear something that's real because there's so many voices out there. Because there's so much content. People, I think when when they finally find something that's real, that they remember what it feels like to believe something. Yeah. They remember what it feels like to believe something. That's I, I talk about in this show that, that that that's what I feel like my work is right now is to is just to remind people. I'm not I'm not coming up with anything brand new. I'm not coming up with anything that hasn't been said or understood before, but I think people walk in the, around in the world like you said, apprehensive and fearful and um, the work of this podcast and these conversations is to remind people of what is actually true about themselves, what's actually down in there. Yeah. Um, and it's what you guys have been have been talking about this whole time. Yeah. I think um, I think you've really hit the nail on the head, but I don't want to minimize um, people who are out there in the struggle. I mean, I bartended for twenty years, hmm. and because there's so many no's that <laughs> I could take money home from the bar. You know, uh, regardless. And it is, it's a long wait sometimes for that truth to come through. Hmm. I remember my big, my big thing, and I will always, I will die fighting for this, is we as, and I won't even say Southerners, like we as uh, rural people are the majority of this country. And our story is being told by people who are not. Hmm. And um, it's fine. It's great. That's what actors do. But there's a lack of truth in it. And, um, oh, you mean specifically in storytelling? Yeah, in yeah. storytelling. It's, I mean, it's Faulkner, it's, it's Ernest Hemingway, it's bluegrass music. 
it's all these things that are told through experience. And I remember one time, I mean, the, the no that hurt me the most, I remember it specifically. I had moved from Nashville out to L.A. to get good at sketch comedy. I got good at sketch comedy and um, not to, I do, well, whatever, I'll just say that it's the truth. We're telling the truth. Um, they were casting blue collar comedy. They were doing a sketch show and I was like, well, this is it. This is the perfect intersection of what I've always wanted to do. And they, um, they hired a whole bunch of people, but they hired a, a, a few people who just, you know, maybe could do a decent Southern accent in an audition. And that hurt. That hurt yeah. bad because that was it. It had finally come. I remember being like, finally. And I mean, God, you could count a million of those finallys that you think are yeah. happening that aren't the real finally. But that's the magic. You keep chasing it as long as you can almost touch it. That's where you keep chasing it. But this new thing where real people are playing real people on TV and in movies, that's pretty new. Mm -hmm. That's pretty new. Um, that, That even 10 years ago, that wasn't happening. It's great. It's really, really great because I think that's when you can really reach people. It's what we were talking about earlier. If you stop whitewashing things and putting people on there who have shiny white teeth that you'll never have you know like you can't relate to that you can't relate to it if that's not your life at all and that it it creates this unattainable goal that that a lot of people will never get to Mm -hmm. it's it's coming around it's finally coming around where reality like true actors who speak the real truth about parts are are starting to happen yeah what about in your world do you ollie Tell me about where you're creating and uh, what you're doing to tell the truth in those spaces. Okay. Uh, so in music, um, specifically with my hip-hop, that's a space that I've kind of reserved for my truth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's what I've learned over the years, that that's that space for me. You know, that's not always voiced in, you know, a conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, in the advertising world, uh part of my work is trying to get the the core of a company and what they stand for and what their beliefs are communicated mm-hmm. through um, the right story or the right message you know mm-hmm. where um, you know you're finding companies that it, you know do stand for some of these good things and want to associate their brand with with quality but also doing good because it's mm-hmm. what they believe in they believe in that system you yeah. know, um, that's another part of my work. You know, another part of the work is work we've shared, sharing, you know, sharing a story mm-hmm. and being, you know, having integrity to share that story as, um, you know, it was intended by the people who trusted you with it. Um, and telling the truth, I think, in, in, in those spaces is really important. Yeah. Is, is at, at least to the best of your ability, right? Because what, what is that? You know, it's, right. it's a well, perspective-based as model. As far as so. you know it. Right, exactly. Yeah. And your view on it. Is, but I think that's what that's what's necessary is that every artist, every creator, everybody who has some perspective on the truth gives their version and then the truth we find somewhere distilled in the center. Mm-hmm. You know, it lives in the middle of all those stories yep. that come together. Facts. What, um, what's one of the greatest adventures you've ever had? Oh, gosh, Darren. <laughs> this life 
His life is just one big insane adventure. <laughs> Where do you want to start? I'm gonna start in the valleys of alleys. <laughs> um, yeah, this life is just an adventure. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. One moment you're, you know, you're on top of the whole world. The next. What's moment. the last time you felt on top of the whole world? Last night was cool. <laughs> <laughs> These are my people. Where do you live right now? I don't know. I'm a zero or I'm a ten. (laughs) Uh, Union City, New Jersey. New Jersey, stand up. (laughs) Jesse McNamara, what's one of the greatest adventures you've ever had? You know, that's it's it's as hard for me to say as it was for Ali because, okay, so this is weird for a person like me, but I have a business degree, and I swear. (laughs) If the only thing you learn in business school was Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you'd be set. That's cool. Because I have been on every single level of that, where at the very bottom, it's it's food and shelter. And I have had a great time there fighting for food and shelter because as long as you're in the same battle with people who you love and love you back, it does not matter. Because I've been there. I've been all the way up to self-actualization. And... Mm -hmm. um, I've had a great time in all of them. And some of the best times I've had was when whoever I look up to, whoever I respect, sees my ideas in a way that they like my ideas. That feels good. That feels good. And like, I mean, you're you're my favorite person to be respected and loved by someone you respect and love. I mean, that's that's a great... I mean, you She's could, talking to me, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <for> me. Yeah, <laughs> because I just don't think you can. I think when you get to the end and all the things you can measure yourself up against, that's it. To be loved and respected by people you love and respect, I don't think I the a couple of months ago I felt like this idea that is my baby, my brain baby, was loved by people that I love and respect. I. I just, I cried all the way home. Like, it just, it's one of those. It's just one of those. And it just depends where you are that day because, I mean, the good thing, like, when you're, if you're hungry and you get some ramen noodles, that's the best part of the day, you know? And I've just been in all those levels. And it's it's hard to say because I've enjoyed them all to the same number, you know? I love that. I think there's something in there about truthfulness that no matter where you are on that, Hierarchy, you feel it and you know it. You yeah, know it when you're in it. Yeah, there's a victory to it. I think one of my favorite things, and I always bring this up. I'm gonna, I brought it up on my phone so I wouldn't misquote it because it is one of my favorite favorite things in the world. Because through history, politicians let us down, and they will, and they always do. <laughs> and it is always, almost always, the artists and the teachers who bring us out of it. And in the midst of World War II, where England was just falling down, the sky was literally falling on them. And um, I love this quote. is when Winston Churchill was asked to cut arts funding in favor of the war effort, he simply replied, then what are we fighting for? Because mm-hmm. that's it. Once you stop in whatever group of people you're in, once you stop having art and laughter and enjoying life then it's all for nothing you're it's all for nothing yeah can you think of a time in your life where um 
you knew that you had found that that sweetness, that like that perfect moment where the yeah. synergy. <laughs> that sweet. Tell us about the sweetness. <laughs> you found your rhythm. You found your momentum. You found you. You feel like oh, this is what I'm supposed to be saying. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I found it. It found me. And now we are working together to bring it into the world. Okay. Cool. As a as a creator, yeah. As a create, as a writer, as a musician, what what is that like? One that's ongoing. That's always always you're trying <laughs> to figure out, you know. But it it before that, I remember something my mom said to me, and it painted a picture in my head. She said, uh, "Ali, your 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 talents are controlling you." Like basically, and and I pictured a bunch of you know those dog walkers that watch a walk a bunch of dogs. Whatever mm. my gifts were were the dogs and they were just going in whatever direction they wanted and I was following them instead of pointing them at what I wanted to do with my performing or writing or whatever our gifts are you we were just you know because we there's there's certain career paths that Mm -hmm. you're like okay you know I'm gonna be a screen player I'm gonna be a director I'm gonna be a you know comedian or an actor um and so the sweetness came when I started to feel like I was pointing them where I wanted to point them mm. to illuminate the driving force behind what I was actually doing them for. What yeah. was the purpose of of those gifts to you? Which is something that I think we give meaning to. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times we're always searching, oh, what am I supposed to be doing with my gift? What am I supposed to be? I think ultimately that, that question can be a mind... Um, F. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> exactly, um, because because you know it's it's what what a mind boggling question. You yeah. know, like what should I be doing with that? Should you know you'll hang on that? Yeah. Sure. What do they say? Don't shit all over yourself. Ooh, that's dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't shit all over yourself. That's Dang. why so many creative people go crazy. I really do. Dude, there's definitely periods I've been shooting all over. She's <laughs> <laughs> covered in shit. Covered up. It's what we do. It's what we do. Especially when something isn't working the way that we think it's supposed to, or we feel stuck, or our wheels are spinning. Like, what should, what should I do I next? Do? I should do this. Do? This person thinks I should do this. I think I should do this. We just should yeah. all over ourselves. Yeah. So that that Covered was up. a sweet thing to find to 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 feel like I'm in a, I'm in a place and have been very recently that they're working together because yeah. of what I want them to ultimately communicate with my work. Should tell your mom about that? No, but I should. I'm going to send her this link for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you should let her know. What role, uh, how big were your parents in your art and creating? What was was that like for you? Uh, Everything. It's it's everything and it's not at the same time, you know? Going back to everything we've talked about, an artist's goal is to communicate their truth. That, that That is the thing you are loyal to your truth being the key word in, in that <laughs> statement. So, you know, that's the, where the not comes in. They, they cannot dictate what things are transmitting through you, but everything in the sense of um, all the love and all the um, tools that yeah. I needed to, to, to flourish. What did you get from your mom? What tools? Oh, man. Mom's, mom. Mom. <laughs> um organization um interesting that that's number one 
not many creatives would list organization as a skill that like See, that comes to their mind immediately. But I think clear. it's so important. Yes. That's yes. where we yes. fail. That's yes. where creatives just like yeah. we're constantly producing content and nothing ever happens with yeah. them. Way to go, moms! Yeah, let me clear out my name on these streets real quick. When it comes to we choose the things that we apply our gifts to, right? So organization, yeah. like my archives, are pretty detailed. Yeah. That's where it all goes. Yeah. Ask me to do a re- expense report. I'll be on my knees begging <laughs> you, please, no, please. And it's the simplest thing. I know it. I know it. But that's where, you know, so thank, you know, thank thank goodness for my mom's, you know, discipline, organization, structure. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, Another thing that's almost always self-imposed for the artist. Yeah. It has to be. Drive, actually. Yeah. That was a new one that came to me a lot later, too. Yeah. This drive came that 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 kind of, you know, not slow down yeah. mentality, which is interesting, resonates with New York, but is yeah. So, yeah. What tools did you get from your dad? Oh man, that would have to be a show uh, <laughs> upon itself. Um, too many to put into words. Mm. Uh, a lot of intangibles. A lot of the things that I try to put into words. Yeah. A lot of the things that I'm trying so desperately to to communicate. Um, I learned that the space in your brain, the structure of the space in your brain that is responsible for language and the space that is responsible for processing like those almost mystical experiences or moments or feelings or times in our life where you just, you can't really put it into words. It's because those two places in your brain don't talk to each other. So that's how you can tell when yeah, you've really you had... Yes. Yeah. Like an experience that is truly beyond words is because that part of your brain that processed that experience truly doesn't know how to communicate it to the part of your brain that that would language that's it, so that would put language that's, to it. That's amazing. Isn't that good? Yeah. And that I, I have found that that is true in my life about the, the times when you truly are speechless. It's because you truly are speechless. And that also helps you identify when someone is bullshitting you. Because <laughs> if they've got all the language in the world and all the words in the world for it, I don't believe that that was real for you. Mm-hmm. It would live in a space in your in your psyche, in your mind, in your life that you couldn't that you couldn't speak if if couldn't it was quite verbalize, yeah. couldn't quite verbalize. My grandma always said, and I hold this so dearly. She just was a, a woman of very simple like truths, and she said, if you have to tell somebody something about yourself, it's probably not true. Yeah. That's the most clear. That's Margaret and Thatcher. Got facts. Yeah. 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 Dang. That's yeah, what did Margaret Thatcher say? She said, if, uh, being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to tell someone that you are, then you aren't. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's that concept. But um, That's true, too. Isn't that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The more you have to defend yourself that you're like mm-hmm. a stable genius or I'm whatever, the like, least. I'm not like everybody else. <laughs> Actually, you, exactly, you are. <laughs> We are all special unicorns. That is the <laughs> mantra of the creative, is that my gift is more special than everyone else's. But that's also a tricky. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Self-confidence versus... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, talk that, to me about that. That's... You working that out? Where, where do you land there? <clears throat> you can only land there where you have to land there. That's the trickiest part. Yeah. The perception of people's, you know, what, what, whether they think you're too bombast or... It's... Unfortunately, it's irrelevant to the equation because mm-hmm. what people don't understand is the amount of self-confidence you have has to has to correlate with the size of your ambitions 
So if your ambitions are to do giant, unbelievable, unbelievable, insane things, <laughs> things that people would say you are a moron, how could you even attempt those things if your confidence didn't seem oppressive to yeah. people who couldn't even fathom those things? To me, the difference is how people wear it. Yeah. And again, that's up for debate. Some people think Muhammad Ali wore his confidence in a terrible light. Other people say that that's the only way he could have. Yeah. Obviously, Kanye wears his confidence in a real shitty light for people, you know? Way and it's, it makes confidence look really bad. Yeah. So, that's a hard one. Where's yours? Where's your confidence? Depends on who you ask. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's so true. Depends on who you ask. Oh, I know a lot of all these friends. That's true. <laughs> yeah, depends on who you ask. You ask some of them and say, oh, this guy's, you know, just uh, can't fit his head through the door. <laughs> Others will say that, you know, he's more humble than anyone you've ever met. Well, I don't know if anybody says that. <laughs> <laughs> and there we know where you lie, my dear, my dear, my dear friend. <laughs> uh, it's true, though. You can't, you can't. I mean, it's that whole, another curse of the artist is that you are always going to find yourself to be a special unicorn on the outside looking in, but you also can't care what people think. Depends how you wear it and how you treat people. The size of it, people will get offended with no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, you can't make all the people happy all the time, as they say. You have to think it's unique in some way or you wouldn't fight for it. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. That's. I mean, I I don't remember a time I left the house where my dad would say, don't get a big head. <laughs> All right. That's my <laughs> advice for the day. You know, and they, that's, that's, that's how they were there. Yeah. See, they always tell that part of the story, the Icarus story with the wings. You yeah. know the story, right? Yeah, I know that story. But they never tell the, the part where they say, close. don't fly too low to the, to the river or your wings are going to get wet mm-hmm. they always tell the part where they say don't fly so yeah. high that your wings don't burn but in the is sun. it your parents identifying in you that you were never going to be by that river in the first place yeah. <laughs> something like that interesting you're right though that that's the you never tell the second half yeah mm-hmm. you gotta have both the alleys and the valleys so if you were to tell people uh artists new artists or seasoned artists right now today if you were to tell them um artists who are stuck who feel like their wheels are turning and they're not sure where to go next or what to say next what would you say to that artist to help them get unstuck um examine what your why you want to say the thing you want to say Mm -hmm. that'll give you some answers what's your why do you want to say this thing Mm -hmm. um if you overthink it, put it out. Do do the whole Gary Vee thing. Just do. Twenty eighteen is the year of the do. Mm. Just do. You know, and uh, um, and if you're not getting the response you want, instead of mm. pouting and being upset about you know people not getting your work, try and see if you can pinpoint why you're not getting the response you want. If you feel your work is that relevant or that good. Uh, what would you say to an artist who feels stuck or unsure of where to go next? Um, I think what it is is just keep creating. I think it is... I, I think we have this idea as artists, like, we've got something to share and we're ready now, and sometimes I think it's a blessing you are not exposed before you're ready because sometimes if you would look back, you'd be embarrassed by yourself if you weren't truly ready. And um, not to get... I, I, it's a profession. It It is a profession, and you can't look at it in any other way than that. And you don't become a lawyer overnight. You don't become a doctor overnight. You work. You learn. 
you surround yourself with people who are better than you and you get better and uh, meet more people expand like because you don't want to look back on yourself and hear something and be embarrassed that you just didn't have a wide enough understanding of people yeah so if you're stuck go see art yeah get inspired because and not even necessarily something that you do go see someone else's art maybe it's a physical art maybe go see someone lift more weight than anybody's ever lifted before or or go the ballet see, for heaven's sake absolutely like people, go see something people beautiful. doing something beautiful and masterful go see something beautiful that someone has worked hard on and if you're not inspired by that then um then you might be doing the wrong thing <laughs> because art is all encompassing it is not one thing it is not one venue it is all the beautiful things and um go see more beautiful things and I promise, I promise that'll move you. Keep going. Because you might think it's one thing, and then you see something, and you just go down this new tributary, and all mm-hmm. the floodgates will open, and you'll feel it. And it's, um, just don't stop. You just can't stop. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you for sharing your thoughts, a little bit from your story. Um, where can people find you? Um, poet, where can people go to see what you're doing, or hear what you're doing, or... Watch you create. www.poetali.com, P O E T A L I.com, and all my uh, social media handles are at Poet Ali Official, P O E T A L I Official. And you've got videos, you've got a TED Talk, you've got. got that was cool. Talk, I'm yeah. going to just plug your TED Talk for a minute. I know it was a couple of years ago, but I think it's incredibly. Uh, relevant and exciting and fun to watch. Please watch the TED Talk. Thank you, Darren. Please yeah. check that out. Um, just type in Poet Ali TED Talk. The last project, What Does It Mean to Be Human? Oh, I would love if you check that out. Yeah, that's a beautiful piece. That would mean a lot to me. Check that out. Spread it around. You know, mix it around. Mix it, get it good right all <laughs> over there. And then just put, put a couple shares and likes on that bad boy. There you go. Subscribe, people. Subscribe and double tap. What about Jesse McNamara? Where can folks find your work, your art, your writing... Um, you can find it at, on Twitter, Jesse McNamara, um, on Instagram, it's oh Jesse please. Somebody else took Jesse McNamara, can you believe that? Can't believe Cannot it. stand it. Oh, Jesse, please. But it's, uh, um, it's the same thing. Um, just keep watching. Um, I'm excited about a bunch of things. I hope, I hope what, what I can create and what I can kick the ball and have some, of the best people in the world start kicking it with me. Uh, I hope it really can bring together a lot of people who think they're a part. There you go, folks. When else in your week are you going to hear a comedy writer and a poet and hip-hop artist and speaker sit down in the living room and have a talk like this? Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Honored to have you guys, and stay tuned for next week's episode. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Darren.